Well, hello, and welcome to another CMYK Talk podcast. My name is Matt, and you are in for something different and unique today. This past Sunday was our Easter gathering, and obviously because of what's happening with COVID-19, we did something different rather than just gathering in a room together as we typically do. Uh, We hosted a live YouTube stream, and so this was a really interesting and unique talk, (laughs) interesting and unique gathering, but it was so great to see so many people jump online and comment and just be a part of this. But rather than just keep it strictly to video, we thought we would share the audio on our podcast as well. So that's what this audio is for you today. If for whatever reason you're just stumbling into this thing called CMYK Church, we want you to know that we are a community in Billings, Montana that is working to find a more beautiful way forward together in the midst of COVID-19, in the midst of what's happening spiritually in our culture and world, in the midst of so much divisive turmoil and things taking place, we believe that there is an invitation for a more beautiful way forward together. And that's the work that we are doing here in Billings and around the world for those of you that are listening outside of where we're located. I also want to quickly mention before we jump into it, just a big thank you. In the midst of so much unrest and things happening, we at CMYK are able to continue to live out of that DNA of who we are, that we have enough. And what that means is rather than asking for more and more and more all the time, we are able to give away more and more and more. And though there are those in need that we as a church and a community have been able to come beside and support and help out. And the reason we're able to do that is because of those of you that are giving, whether it's a one-time gift or a regular gift on our website. We're just so grateful for that. So if you're interested in being a part of this community on a financial level and want to continue to help people out, we'd encourage you to head to cmykchurch.com. Or maybe you're just looking to dip your toe in the water and figure out what is this thing and what is this all about. We'd encourage you to head there as well as that'll give you some great info and things on that level. Other than that, I hope you're doing well. And before we jump into it, I just want to say it one more time. If there's anything that you need, if there's anything that we can do for you, please, please, please reach out on our social media streams or through our website. We want to do everything we can to support and care for those in need around us. I love you. Hope you're staying safe. Hope you're staying healthy. And we hope to see you very, very soon. Without further ado, here it is, Easter 2020. This morning, we're talking about this thing known as the new normal. The reality is, is not only is this an interesting and different kind of CMYK gathering because of the fact of what's happening with social distancing, but more than just church services and more than just religious gatherings on one of the biggest holidays of the year being affected, the reality is all of our lives have been impacted in one way or another. And for some of you, potentially these last couple weeks have been a sort of, as a friend of mine was uh, calling it earlier this week, a sort of heaven for you. That you are the introverted type. You love just being by yourself. That's how what feel, fills your tank and energy and the thought of going out at night, the thought of having to see other people, all those kinds of things. That's something you don't long for or look forward to at all. And so for you, this is a little bit of like, this is pretty nice. This is pretty great. I wonder how long this is going to go. But the reality for most of us potentially is that this is not a type of heaven and it could actually be a type of hell, if you will. That you are somebody that is potentially energized, your tank is filled by seeing other people, by interacting with other people. That one of the things that fills your tank the most is being able to go out to your favorite restaurant and have a great meal. And that's not a thing right now. To be able to go enjoy entertainment, whether it's live music or film, and you are not able to do that right now. 
For some of you, there is this drain that is taking place in your life because you are missing that human interaction and that social connection, and this feels like hell. For others of us, potentially you watching it this morning, there is more of a literal sense of what this hell has looked like for you. Because so many people have lost their jobs. So many people are in a place and state of anxiety, unsure of what's happening and what's going to come and what's going to happen. There's financial unrest. There's economic unrest taking place. And there is this hell, this experience that you're going through, and you don't like it. What I find fascinating about wherever you are in that spectrum, because we're all on that spectrum on one level or another, is that we all hope and we all believe that this is not the end, that there's something else that's coming after this, even though we might not know what it is. And what I find fascinating about that reality is it so mirrors everything that we are here to celebrate and talk about this morning when it comes to this concept of Easter. That Easter is this holiday, this tradition within Christianity where we look at, we remember, we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ and what that means for our lives here and now in 2020. That we have experienced a sense of death, that there was normal life before, and this normal life is now gone. Many of us were anticipating it potentially when we were watching in February and early March, we were seeing what was taking place over in China or taking place in Italy, and we were anticipating, okay, it seems like things are not going to go the way that they normally go. They postponed the NBA basketball season. I was watching a basketball game the night that they postponed it, and they just stopped playing. And it was like, what's happening? Now, obviously, that's silly from the standpoint of it's just basketball, but we all experienced that on one level or another, that we watched these things go through a process, and what was once normal is now gone. There's also a sense of uh, burial when it comes to these things as well. The burial is after the death comes. So after things have happened culturally, things have happened relationally, things have happened with your job, things have happened with your economics, that you find yourself in this state of burial where you're in the ground, the death has come, the change is there, and now we're in this place of wondering, okay, how long am I here and what does this look like? What I find fascinating about this is where we typically talk about death, burial, and resurrection on Easter and how it applies to our life. Yes, this is something that is all over the place in our culture right now. That it's not just specific to maybe one idea or one thought, death, burial, and resurrection. But it's rampant in our entire lives. That a shift has happened. This death has taken place. Normal is no longer found. And there is now this shift. For many of us, it's a shift in our time. Our time is no longer spent the way that it used to be spent. Things have shifted. And so we're not able to work like we used to be able to work. We're no longer able to go and do the things that we love to go and do. On top of that, there is a shift in our culture that's taken place. And this shift is something that can be incredibly hard because we're seeing more and more potential fighting this side versus this side this idea versus this idea this belief versus that belief of what's really going on and what should we really do and how do we really respond to this how long is going to happen there's been a cultural shift in our conversation that we don't go anywhere we don't look at anything news related without some sort of report of how many cases have been reported how many deaths have been reported and it's something we're talking about over and over and over and over again how many medical supplies are out there there's a cultural shift in our conversation that we're seeing take place what we used to talk about <laughs> what we used to gather around and joke around and have conversations about is just gone, it seems like. And now there's this shift that we're talking about this. 
But on top of all of that, I think for many of us, we're experiencing some sort of internal shift. It's a shift in how we view ourselves. For some of us parents, it's, I'm not a teacher. (laughs) And here are my kids, and I'm responsible to take care of and to grow and develop and nurture my kids in a way that I maybe was always supposed to be a part of the the equation, but it definitely hasn't. And there's been, been this internal shift. There's an internal shift in that I'm an extrovert, and I'm no longer able to experience this. This death has come. The normal is gone, and there's been this shift to here we are in this state of burial. It's in this place that many of us, we look at the news articles, we scroll through our phones, and we're asking ourselves the question, how long is this going to last? And on top of that, what is this going to look like when all is said and done? When things go back to normal and the shift that we've experienced goes away, what is it going to look like? Is this shift forever? Is this shift for the next couple months? Is it for the next 18 months? Is there something that's permanently going to get stuck in our culture and in our lives that we're going to see from here on out? Death, burial. But we're here on Easter because we believe that there's this thing called resurrection, new life, hope in something more. And what I find fascinating, particularly about this Christian account of this idea of death, burial, and resurrection, is that it's not the typical kind of resurrection that maybe many of us would anticipate in moments like this, looking at our lives, dealing with COVID-19. Particularly when we look at the story that's found in John chapter 20. This is a moment in, in the story where Jesus has died, he's been crucified, and he's buried in a tomb. And this is where we pick up the story in John chapter 20. It says, now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. Now, there's something interesting happening with the story that I find fascinating. So Mary experiences something that she is culturally going to uh, the tomb in this moment. It's expected culturally that after a few days that she would go and do this. She goes to visit the tomb and she finds that the stone has been rolled away and it freaks her out. And it freaks her out culturally because there are these things known as tomb robbers or grave robbers, people that would break into tombs and take anything of value out of the tomb. So she experiences this and says, oh no, the worst has happened. The thing that I came to do for Jesus in his burial, I can no longer do. And there have been robbers. Thieves have taken hold of the story. So she runs and tells these two disciples. Now, Peter is a pretty famous, popular disciple, if you will, throughout history. Many of us have heard of him. And then there's this other disciple that we don't know the name of. We just know that he was the one whom Jesus loved. Now, most scholars and tradition tells us and points at the fact that this disciple is most likely John, potentially, the guy that potentially wrote this gospel in this book that we're reading. So I just love it that John is labeling himself as the one that Jesus loved. He doesn't give himself his name because it's, it's, it's like a humble brag, but he is here as well. So these two disciples interact with Mary. So then it says, Peter went out with the other disciple and they were going towards the tomb and both of them were running together. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb. Now, this is totally just a side comment, but this just shows the fact that the scriptures are written by men. (laughs) 
<laughs> because here is this moment where this interaction is taking place, and there has to be this uh, you know value of the fact that okay, Peter historically he's the guy that everybody talks about when it comes to church and the father of the church, the rock of the church, all these things. But I can out, I can beat him in a foot race, dude. You want to bring it on, bro? Like I just love <laughs> that this is thrown in. Yes, there are some potential implications of this, but on the surface, I just love the fact. Yeah, of course this was written by a guy because we've got to you know just measure everything and say, hey, check it out. I'm faster than that guy. So it continues on. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen cloth lying there, but he did not go in. Then Peter came following him and went into the tomb. And he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. So they're looking and they're experiencing the fact that he is gone. It says, then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, again, just a little bit of a dig at Peter. Hey, buddy, I got there first. You just went into the tomb first. Historically, let's remember this right. Also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. So the disciples have this interaction with an empty tomb. And it says there's a level of belief, but they yet don't fully understand what's taking place. But this is not the end of the story. It says, but Mary, the person that interacted with from the beginning, Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Now this is the state and the place that we find grief. That Mary has come to the tomb to try and interact with what once was. This Jesus, this person that she followed and put her hope and trust in. And she's coming to interact with his body and his body is gone. And so this grieving is all of a sudden present all over again. This is the core of grief, is it not? That many of us have experienced. There was something that we had, a relationship that we had, a person that we had in our life, a family member, a friend, a job, a vision, whatever it is, and that thing is gone and we're no longer able to interact with it on the level that we wanted to. And it's out of this that we find grief. And here Mary is in this incredible sense of grief. She is weeping because the one thing that she wanted to do to interact with what once was is no longer available to her. The body has gone. The story goes on and it says, having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Here again, Mary is in this state of grief. She's longing for what was. And then in this moment, Jesus is there. This resurrected Christ is there. Now there's something about Jesus' appearance. There's something about this resurrection and this new life that's being found that Mary is not able to recognize and fully see and comprehend what's taking place. And she misses the fact that this is Jesus. 
we, we can speculate all we want about why or how she missed how this is Jesus. Did he get a new haircut? Is there a new you know, robe that Jesus is wearing? Why did she not recognize it? But here's what I find so fascinating. Mary responds to Jesus in this moment by saying, I'm still looking for him. I'm still looking for the body of what once was. Can you please tell me where it is so I can take him away? This is what she's longing for and this is what she's desiring. All the while, this resurrection, this new life is here right in front of her, but she's missing it because all she's looking for and all she's longing for is what once was. But there's this new thing that's happening. There's this new embodiment of Christ that she is unable to perceive and see in this moment. Here's why I find this so incredibly fascinating. That many of us, When we think about this COVID-19 pandemic and what's taking place, the thing that we easily move towards is longing to just get back to what was. Now, there's a lot of good reasons for us to hope for things to go back to normal, if you will. Yes, that's a good thing. But there's something about this process, I believe, when it comes to death, burial, and resurrection. That we have this instinct that, th- that thinks that n- resurrection, new life, and hope is the idea that it's all going to be reset to just like it was before we experienced the death and burial. And that's what resurrection is. And so that's what we anticipate. That's what we're hopeful for. But here in the story of Christ, in the story within Christianity, resurrection is not just a reset to go back to what once was, not a fighting for some historic idea, but it's a presence in this moment with something new and fresh. And the potential for all of us is that there's something new happening. There's new life found in this moment. But we, like Mary, all have the potential to miss it. And we miss it because we're so busy and we're so focused on just trying to get back to what was compared to being present and seeing what is actually happening. I love that in this text, Mary calls or assumes that Jesus is a gardener. A gardener in this state within culture is one of the lowest of the low, culturally speaking. And Mary assumes that this thing that's happening right in front of her is just a low bottom feeder kind of event, not a big deal. I just need to get back to once was. All the while, this thing that she has written off is not that significant, not that important, is the thing that she's actually looking for and is the new life that all of this has been about from day one. So for me, when I think about this concept of resurrection, when I think about this normal that is gone, and this shift that has taken place in our time, in our culture, and how I see myself. I'm invited, and I believe that the resurrection story is an invitation to see new life here. Now, please hear me. Resurrection is not about a removal of all pain, of all suffering, of all struggle. All of your questions are answered and you have everything figured out. This is not the new life that's represented in the scriptures at all with any kind of honest reading. And this is not an honest representation of resurrection in our own lives today. That new life does not mean an absence of those things, but it's a presence in the midst of those things to be able to see something good, true, and beautiful. The divine presence, life, Christ. And so for me, when I think about this time shift that we've experienced, how many of us in a time shift, yes, it's been hard and it's been difficult at different times, 
But how many of us are experiencing a connection with people in our homes on a level that maybe we haven't for years? Like my wife, Kate and I, uh, we are watching really trashy TV uh, more than I ever have in my entire life. And I had this uh, revelation a couple nights ago as we were watching, don't judge me, Love is Blind on Netflix. Okay, I just said it. I just outed myself. Yes, I watched the whole season. And yes, I did get a little caught up in it. And, I, and Jessica has some issues. Let's just say that. All that to say, I found myself watching this show and realizing I haven't done this with my wife since her and I were dating. Because when we were dating, all we wanted to do was hang out with each other as much as we could. So we would just hang out and watch trashy TV. And here we are in this moment where I've spent the last 13 plus years of my life continually being so busy and so focused on so many other things and disregarding this idea that I could just spend time with my wife because I have so many other things I need to accomplish and do. So there's a connection that's happening. There's a level of rest potentially that some of you are experiencing. This time shift has brought rest. I've talked to some of you and you say you're more rested than you have been in years. There's new life happening here in this moment. For some of us, it's an ability to spend time on things that we've always wanted to. For others of us, it's a change in relationship interactions because our time is no longer spent just around people and all these proximity relationships that maybe we're finding ourselves is to have this invitation to be intentional with some relationships that really matter. There's new life here in the midst of this time shift. Yes, there's struggle, but there's something here. And if we just focus on what was, we miss the beauty, the resurrection of what's happening here in this moment. There's a cultural shift taking place. I, this is one of the most fascinating things for me. It's incredibly beautiful that a cultural shift has taken place where we as a society seem to care for and un, work to understand the needs of those most at risk in our world, our country, and in our city. That whether it's someone with age uh, that is up there in age or someone that has health issues, someone in their economic status, that we culturally are responding to them in a way that is incredibly beautiful more than we typically did before this happening. There's new life taking place. I mean, what's taking place at 8 p.m. and people stepping outside their homes and howling for essential workers and for our medical workers on the front lines just saying, we see you, we're for you, and we're with you, and I'm going to to let everybody know as silly as that might be how beautiful of a cultural shift is that that rather than celebrating all these things that we celebrated and we spent all our time and energy seeing and focusing on before here we are in this moment seeing people that are essential significant in their work and in their life and we become grateful for them that's an incredibly beautiful new life cultural shift that's taking place or how many of us there's this internal shift that's happening and the internal shift is we used to be defined by our job. We used to be defined by our ability to go and make money or go and create and do and be. We used to be able to go and try to you know, get groups of people together. That's me, for, for, you know, just to be honest. I'm having this inter internal shift where my life, Matt Blakesley, revolves around gathering groups of people in rooms, whether it's through CMYK or through Art House and trying to get people to come to movies. And I'm not allowed to do that right now. And so there's this shift potentially that's taking place where I'm invited to just be, not do, not go make something of myself and that validates Matt Blakesley. But here in this moment, I'm breathing deep and I'm validated. I'm loved. I'm known. There's something beautiful happening here. It's my belief that this resurrection invitation is missed. If all we're looking for and all you and I are talking about and having conversations around is 
How do we get back to what was? Yes, there are some things that need to come back. I'm not saying that. And I'm not saying where we are in the state of burial is where we're going to be forever. But I believe that just like Mary in this moment in the tomb experiencing Jesus, we have the potential to either label this beautiful new life that's taking place as a gardener. It's bottom feeder. It's no big deal. Why bother? Just get back to what was. Or we have our eyes opened. We breathe deep and we see there's something here in this moment and we don't want to miss it. So this is why we have this phrase in this statement that we had a normal before. There's been a death, a burial, but there's a resurrection here present in this moment, I believe. And there's a resurrection that has the potential to come past this moment, depending upon how and you and I choose to interpret what's going on. And it leads us to this question of what's your new normal. Now, that's a specific question because that's, that's for you. We can't define what normal is going to be for us as a country, for us as a world. There's still a lot up in the air, and we just don't know, honestly. But my hope is rather than living in a state of anxiety and a state of fear about all the things that we can't control in this place, that we are able to see this new life that's present here and now in this moment. Even the people that you're watching this stream with right now, that you would see and understand there's something so sacred and beautiful about the beating hearts in those chests, the breath in our lungs, and that we do not miss on the out on the life that is present within us and around us and that we work to define and have conversations about, okay, what is this new normal going to look like? For me, those conversations have revolved around what's my new normal when it comes to work habits? Yeah, I'm, I'm still working and yeah, theater's going to open and there's going to be a lot of work to do for sure. But do I want to just reset and go back to what I was? Or is there an opportunity to start to redefine new life, resurrection? What does Matt's work habits look like? When it comes to consuming and shopping, we're not able to do that on the level that we typically do because everything is shut down or we're just limited to our homes. And so what does it look like for Matt to consume? And how, how am I finding a new normal in the midst of that? Relationships and friendships, interacting with my kids, being around them all the time, being responsible for them on a level that I've always been responsible for them, but I just kind of you know put, <laughs> pushed them out the door to say, hey, it's their turn and I'll see you in a few hours that I'm invited to be a part of. There'd be a new normal for how I interact with my kids. Taking care of our neighbors. Some of you are doing incredible work to just be aware of what's going on in your neighborhood. That this would be a new normal. It's not just this weird upset thing, but there's new life and resurrection here for how we see our neighbors and those immediately around us. Being aware of those most in need, or maybe most significantly for us with CMYK, what's the new normal when it comes to church and spiritual community? And we're going to spend just a little bit of a plug. We're going to spend the next few weeks talking about that. What does this look like over the next uh, few months and years for us to figure out a new normal? I'm not saying that you know things are changing. We don't know, but that it's worth having the conversation of what is new that we're being invited into because there are shifts taking place and I don't want to be focused on we've just got to get back to what was but that we are allowing ourselves to have conversations about what's good true and beautiful here that we carry into the new normal so I ask you the question what is your new normal and I hope that this is okay, but Parker's song was just so beautiful, and, and I think it's worthy of it, to allow you just a, a, a little bit of a pause to think about that and process that before you jump into the next thing. 
I'm just going to play Parker's song again because we got to listen to it. And I would invite you to not only listen to it and experience it, thanks again, Parker, but that you would process and think through what is your new normal. Maybe there's something in the comments that you would want to throw down there as far as what it looks like for you or this new life and resurrection that you're experiencing here and now in this moment. All that glitters in the moment Is not gold before it's through When the last curtain falls And the dust of it all Will show you the most true Friendly humans passing Under some universal truth Keep pointed guns under coats In the hopes that the most Tragic dreams come true In these lonely little moments When we haven't got a clue And the state of the world Seems to swallow us whole There's nothing we can do But sing from every window Shout from all the rooms Keep your lamps trimmed and burning Nothing more to do All the ages waiting For times like these to prove That open hearts will play is a time for us to reflect on death, burial, and resurrection. And it's my hope that you would be one that is able to find new life wherever you are. I also want you to know this, that if for whatever reason you are in a place that is not okay, that is not comfortable, things are not in a state and where you are able to see any sort of new life, that you know that you are not alone. And there's a community, whatever your belief, wherever you are in life, that we desire to see you, to know you, and to embrace you, and to be a part of this journey in this life with you. That if there's a need that you have, whether it's financial, relational, whatever the need would be, that we as a community, as CMYK, we work to live out of this mentality that we have enough. You are not alone, and that you would see and sense and know that this morning that you would see and sense and know that there is this divine presence, that Christ is here now in this moment. 
And it doesn't necessarily mean all pain and suffering is gone, but there is resurrection to be found for how you see and perceive the world around you and yourself in the midst of it. May you be somebody that does not miss out on what could be.